All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fast Break Lip NBA podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I got a guest with me today, um, Zach Noble of the Four Seasons NBA podcast and the Noble and Rue show. So, Zach, say what's up to the people. Hello, hello. How are we doing tonight? Good, awesome. Um, great to have you on to um, the show today. Um, we're going to be giving a little bit of a... Um, going to be talking a little bit about the Denver versus Clippers series. We're also going to be talking about um, the Rockets and their exit and like what we expect their future moving forward. And we'll also talk about um, the Celtics versus um, the Heat in a little Eastern Conference Finals preview. And we'll also talk about the Lakers as well. So um, let's get into let's get into the, the Clippers versus Nuggets. I mean, I don't know if you expected this to really be that long of a series, but I kind of had this, especially after game one, I had this going at least a little bit, at least to five games. But then I was really shocked when it really turned into a series like the last couple games with the comebacks that the the Nuggets did. I mean, they're, they're a really resilient team. So how, how have you felt about the Nuggets so far, I guess? You know, I, I'm with you. I didn't, before the series, I predicted six. That was my... Um, official prediction before the series and even then I thought it was going to be less than that like I just I went with that more of a gut versus brain <laughs> uh, my brain told me I it was Clippers should run this thing quickly but and then looking back on it the way Jamal Murray's declined since round one and he's played pretty poorly overall this series the fact that they're in a game seven is mind-blowing honestly um, but it's just Mike. credit to Mike Malone um, when you're the team that's undermanned from star potential. When you get to the second round of the playoffs, that's where the coaches make their mark. And he's literally running circles around Doc Rivers right now, and it's pretty remarkable to watch. Um, I was complaining about the way he was playing Michael Porter Jr., um, in the first round, and I'm like, you got to just unleash him and let it let it fly to see what this this team ceiling really is. Him and Bull Bull, I wanted to um, see it. And the more it's gone, the more Michael Porter Jr. has been involved. I mean, that's been a huge factor. But Gary Harris being healthy and playing really good on defense, yeah, it's just been an amazing team effort. But Jokic is playing out of his mind too. Uh, he's, yeah, literally, he he's literally been the best player in the series. Um, yeah, um, to your Michael Porter Jr. Um, point, I noticed that he's actually been like playing like really hard on defense. And I don't know if it's because like a lot of other NBA players, like when he made his, his comments about wanting the ball more, guys like Dame and whatnot, they kind of like said like, this is something you keep in the in the locker room. And I, I noticed right. after that, his his defensive intensity kind of like raised. I think he was like, he put it on himself to like better his defensive effort so that way he could get the ball on offense a little bit more. And now that he is getting the ball a little bit more and getting more minutes as well, you, we see the product of that. And as well as um, Gary Harris, he's finally found his stroke, had like 16 points, I think it was, the last game. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, he was playing excellent defense on Kawhi, getting like some some steals, some loose balls. Like he was just all over the court. And um, yeah, Jokic, I mean, Jokic has been, he's he's been a beast in the playoffs. Like every single game that he's been playing since going back to like last year with the Denver series when he had that crazy like four overtime game, I think it was. Like he's just mm -hmm. always been like a solid playoff performer. So, yeah, I'm, I mean. I mean, yeah, it's, go ahead. It's, it's crazy what the things this guy does. I mean, 
he's literally like Jimmy Butler in the Western Conference, but his numbers even go more. But one, I think, because the team needs him a little more. But like Jimmy Butler is just known to be that guy that literally can do anything the team needs at any time. Jokic has been that guy just mainly on offense. I mean, he's still not very good on defense, but um, mm-hmm. he, him and Jimmy Butler are the two players that I can think of that literally can have bad games and only score 15 or less points. And it's just remarkable the, the impact they have on their game when they do that. For instance, I mean, Jokic can throw up 12, 15 assists in a game if he needs to. He can go up 15, 15, 15 if that's what the team needs and Jamal Murray's rolling. But when Jamal yeah. Murray's struggling and they're not getting any other production, he goes for 34, 14, four for six from three and still seven assists in game six in a closeout game. The guy is just a gamer and always shows up in the biggest moments. Um, it, it's a remarkable, and he, he still is. I don't think is getting his due. I mean, do you? No, I don't. I mean, I still. A lot of people. I, I put out a tweet yesterday. I, I feel like he's the best big in the game because, he, like, the way he just elevates his his performances in the playoffs. I mean, we don't see much other guys do that. I mean, of course, like Joel Embiid is like one of the most talented centers in the league, but. I think also with Joel Embiid, not that he, not to say that he didn't elevate his game, but like it 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 didn't show the same way as Jokic because I think yep. the surrounding pieces around Embiid are also flawed, so that's like another conversation as well. So, but yeah, I feel like Jokic has like really like stepped stepped up his game from the regular season, and a lot of people were actually giving him some flack because of like people were like kind of I guess joking around saying that oh, he lost some weight, so he kind of lost his game or whatever. But, like, I feel like he's 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 elevated himself, so. Yeah, I mean, the guy goes from averaging 19, 20 points in the regular season. I mean, he's averaging 27 for this series and 22, 23 for the, uh, this playoffs. Like, the guy just shows up, like, in the most important moments. So I, I think we know what we're getting with – with Joker game seven and what what's going to unfold, but it's like, who's going to be there with them? You know, is we know Kawhi, yeah. it's going to be a Kawhi versus Jokic battle, but in the end, who's going to have the most support? Cause Lou Williams ain't done shit. I mean, he's yeah. been absolutely terrible. Paul George is off and on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just both teams. I mean, are pretty freaking deep. It's just, who's going to have come up with the smarter game plan is Harold or Zubak going to be getting more minutes? Because Zubak has just been unbelievable compared to Harold, night and day. It's yeah. just a pride thing for Doc, and um, I think he just likes what he does on the surface level. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about how you feel about the how, about the coaching matchup because um, I feel like Doc has been get, been getting thoroughly out coached the last couple series, um, especially against. Um, he was getting out coached, I think, in the the Mavericks series, and now right. he's getting out coached again with um, having to continue to play Montrez. I understand Montrez is like six man of the year, and it kind of looks bad that if you have to bench your six man of the year for a series. But when it comes down to playoffs, what matters the most is like the adjustments that you can make and like the rotations that you put out of like which mm-hmm. players are going to be the most effective. And right now, Montrez has not been effective at all. Like as soon as he, as soon as Doc puts him and Lou Will in. The Denver Nuggets, their eyes light up, and Jamal Murray and Jokic just start putting them into pick and roll, pick and pop actions, 
And then Jokic just does his damage from there, and so does um, Jamal Murray. So I don't know what Doc is going to do with Montrez. I, I think the center rotation should be, should be just Zubac and Green. But I, he said after the game that if you look at the plus minus, match it, match it up with the film, sometimes it doesn't match up. So I feel like All he's right. still going to play Montrez a certain amount of minutes. So Yeah, it, it, that's correct. I mean, it's one of the more overrated stats at times. And uh, to me, it, it does in this instant. I mean, Zubac, the last two games, a plus 27, where Harrell's a minus 29. Um, and it's just energy levels. And it's just the same on the, the other side. I mean, Paul Millsap and Michael Porter Jr., you got to be cognizant of who's rolling when. And Paul Millsap has, be- has become unplayable at times as well. So um, sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to go a little smaller. Jeremy Grant, I mean, play him more. He's been unbelievable. You can dive into the X's and O's all you want, but the easiest adjustment in playoffs ever is just personnel. Dive deeper in your bench know who to play when. Um, and we see coaches, Mike Boonholzer lost because of that. I think Mike D'Antoni yep. absolutely lost because of that. Oh boy. And if you don't have yep. a top, if you don't have the best players literally or the deepest team, a lot of the Miami heat and Boston Celtics, that's why they're hanging around. But then you got the number one, two guys, LeBron and Kawhi. It's pretty simple. I mean, this this NBA game is very simple when you truly break it down. And it's it's amazing how some people just believe in their mediocre and uh, underachieving teams to just overcome greatness and just believe in their players a little too much versus believing in a system, you know, or believing in – other players and the team aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, so, um, so fast forward. So let's look ahead to, I guess, cause we can't really say now who we think, I mean, we can't really make a prediction for like, we can't really give a preview of the conference finals. Cause we don't know who's going to face the Lakers yet. So I do have a couple questions about like who, for who they face, who they face between each of them. So for like, the Lakers versus Nuggets, if that series does happen, um, does I was wondering, does LA stay small with AD versus the um, with um, AD playing center versus the Joker? Do they trust that? Hey, and I was like, oh. if uh, Denver wins this, you can have a toe of mine. I, I'll give up a DJ. <laughs> like <laughs> hell will freeze over if the Nuggets pull this off. Like if anybody I mean, can do it, it's them. They've already made history. Yeah. By making it yeah. this far and doing it twice, but man, <laughs> I, I mean, think it's gonna be I, close. I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out because I mean, every time, I mean, the last couple games, especially last game when they were down, I was about to turn off my TV, honestly, <laughs> and I saw they started right? to pick up the rhythm, and I was like, oh, okay, this is something to tune into now, and they made it a game, so you know, can never cut out the Nuggets. They got but, heart. Uh, they got dogs, man. I mean, they're they're gonna fight they till the very end where. I mean, I just feel like the Clippers are are missing a little bit. Like all year, they're known to be this team full of dogs, and and dogs fight till the end, in my estimation. Uh, Clippers yeah. just think they're better than these first two series, and therefore they kind of lose that dog, that edge in them, um, and just rely on their talent. What? Well, I mean, if the other team's pretty freaking deep, like the Dell. Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets. I mean, they're two of the deeper teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, if they see you sleeping, they're gonna they're gonna attack. 
And yeah, I mean, like it. like they say, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, and the Clippers weren't working hard in that last game. So that's exactly the it. Here. So what them. percentage would you give the Nuggets here? I mean, I mean, it's a pick 'em. Honestly, it depends with like how Doc comes out with his rotation with Lou Will and Montrez if he decides to stagger them or not, or if he just goes decides to go with them full on like he did the last two games. Um, it depends if Jamal Murray gets it going. Because you know he's he's been on and off this series, a lot of off this series actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say I give him a forty five percent chance to win because you know the Clippers, they also have that whole Clippers curse stigma behind them as well. <laughs> they also gave up a a three one lead. What was it five years ago? Yeah, they're fighting destiny right now. They really are. Uh, they've never made <laughs> yeah. the conference finals, and yeah, they, you're right. They've blown a couple major lead. Leads. I think they've blown three one leads twice now. I think it was yeah. up fifteen, and I forget the other one. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I give the Nuggets honestly only twenty percent chance. To be honest, I, I go eighty twenty oh, wow. on this. But do I think they're going to be in it to the end and scare the uh, scare LA a little bit? Yeah, I think it, it could come down to the very last seconds. I, I predict LA is going to pull away at the end and win by like five or seven, but I think it'll be pretty reasonable. At least they'll, they'll fight till the end. Uh, I yeah. don't think it'll be a blowout at any point. Well, if it is a blowout, we know for sure that if the, the nuggets are down, that they'll be able to, they'll be sure to come back because they've done so the last two games. So, for sure. So um yeah, um another question I had for if if it comes to a Lakers versus Nuggets um series, do we see um Deion Waiters more? And I guess that goes for e- even if they do face the Clippers as well cuz we haven't seen Deion Waiters a lot. I don't know if he's injured or not. Um and also I was like what does Denver do to avoid falling behind cuz they've fallen behind 3-1 in the last two series. So if they do face the Lakers, how do they avoid falling well, I behind? I think they want to fall behind, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> strategy, they would. Right? Just kind of finesse them. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just their their ego and their they need something to motivate them. I think, and I don't know a bunch of a bunch of young dudes that don't understand the urgency of the moment at the beginning. And I, I don't know. It's it's unexplainable how they've done it and what they're doing. But uh, to your first question, Dion Waiters. I don't know why they would play him more now. You know. I mean, Caruso and Rondo I guess have been playing so yeah, well. Yeah, they have been playing well. But I was thinking more of like perimeter creation. I guess that was, I was thinking of more of that earlier on in the playoffs when they were like, when they didn't have their rhythm going with Caruso and Rondo. But now that yep. they do have him, I guess there is no reason for them to play him right now. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I would love to see it. I really would, man. Uh, I just... I don't – if it's working for the Lakers, as long as they're winning with their rotation, I don't see it. I mean – Yeah. They're they're definitely not going to get deeper, I don't think. I don't think they're going to do something like that against the Clippers. But against the Nuggets, I could see them going a little deeper because they might be up quite a bit at times. Um, I don't know. I mean, they might need more points, though, personally, to keep up with the Nuggets. Yeah. Versus the, the Clippers can slow score. game. So that that would be my my response there. Uh, the other question was, um, was does it, LA stay small with AD versus the Joker? You call that small? 
I mean, it's more with like not having to play like JaVale and yeah, Dwight yeah, Howard like they it. did. Yeah. It's been playing out pretty good. You know, I've, I've enjoyed what, what they're doing. I like Markeith Morris getting more minutes. Um, yeah, he's been solid for them. Yeah. And it's, I've said it all year. The Lakers have been my pick since the beginning of the year. They really don't need a third guy. They don't need a consistent third player as long as they get just a random performance by somebody every night. You know, I mean, they obviously two players. Yeah. As, if they're the best two players in the series, they should be able to win every game, but you still need points and production from somewhere. Um, so as long as they get it from at least one other player or so, um, or just a collective effort like they have been mostly. Um, yeah, I don't see I don't see this falling apart at all. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so if if we do get a Lakers versus Clippers conference finals, some questions I have are do we see um do we see less Montrez or do they continue to play Montrez or like what's the center rotation like against AD? And that, I guess that also goes dependent on if the Lakers decide to go big again with JaVale and Dwight back in the rotation. So No, if they fall behind, um, like if the Clippers go down 2-1 two, two or just it, down at all in the series, period, um, from game standpoint, I think, uh, yeah, they, they definitely realize they need to go Zubak on defense for th- those purposes. Um, unless, like... Kawhi and Marcus Morris are doing an incredible job on AD, you know? Um, yeah. But as long as it's working and they're winning with Montrez, I don't, I don't see him going away from it really. Just like tomorrow night, like I don't think Doc's going to make changes because Doc's been lucky, you know, in his career, he's had the talent, you know, when he's had really good yeah. teams and won, he's had the talent. So He's a smart coach and he can make the adjustments and he has before. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's like Mike D'Antoni coasting type guy, but do I think he's going to make the type of adjustments like Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra? Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't I don't think he's going to make a change. And I think that's why a lot of people actually I've seen on my Twitter timeline, at least I've seen a lot of people picking Denver to win tomorrow because they can't wow. understand why. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people saying Denver because they can't they don't believe in the Clippers to make those right adjustments because they don't think Doc will make those adjustments. So, hmm. I mean, it, it would be very interesting if Denver does pull it out, though. Oh, you say that it would be it would be fun just to see the reaction. On, on Twitter, the, for oh, sure, yeah. Fun as hell. I mean, it, I think hell would freeze over because it'd be such a knock on Kawhi Leonard because that guy has so much to gain by winning a title. Like I've, I talk about this all the time, but every title, this guy just keeps climbing up the charts. Like if he wins this year, he could literally surpass Kevin Durant all time for me. He actually would. And I have KD 12th all time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kawhi's, Kawhi's been climbing. Cause I mean, third, third finals MVP on a third, on a third different team. Yeah. I mean, that's, and beating LeBron? Yeah. Sure. On your way to getting there, yeah. Um, so um moving on to the Rockets, who actually did get eliminated by the Lakers. Um, how did you how did you envision this series going? You know, I thought it'd be more competitive, okay? I thought <laughs> I thought the Rockets would be in more games. Um but the way the Rockets played, I just thought the Lakers 
the score would be tighter, okay? But it, the Rockets played exactly how they said they'd play. They didn't make one damn adjustment the whole time, and that's why Mike D'Antoni's not there anymore. Um, and that's what it all comes back on. Like anybody that just rushes to say blaming this on James Harden and just saying it's all on his fault. No, there's so much context. You really have to dive into it and understand what really happened and put realistic expectations. Like I didn't have any expectations on the Rockets winning ever at any point this year. I just knew they were not talented enough. You know, they were going against AD and LeBron. Let's be real. Um, yeah, the Lakers winning in five. That's what happened. I just thought the Rockets would fight. I gave them a 30% chance to win at the beginning of the series. So I thought it was possible, but no, would I ever predict that or believe it was actually real ever? No. I mean, Harden would literally have needed to average 40 points a game in order to beat them the way they played. And it just, no, he, he, it's a whole mess there. I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, <laughs> um, I originally had, um, I had Lakers in five also, and I was kind of saying in a joking matter, but I really, I realistically thought it would, it might go six. Cause I was like, you know, Rockets could get hot from three cause they've done it before. And you know, once they get hot from three, they start rolling, they get their, their chemistry rolling. Then, you know, I was like, you know, they make, they could probably get like two games. Um, if Russ has it all together and all their shooters were like hitting on everything and like all the complete opposite of that just happened. And I mean, we could start with like the Daniel House situation and how that probably distracted the team a bit. It did. You could just had- tell on their, I mean, their mentality. I mean, just yeah. in general. They, First of all, Russ wasn't wasn't healthy, you know? The people don't talk about that. The second best player, he wasn't healthy for the he didn't play the really the entire first series besides sure game seven a little bit, but even he wasn't at a hundred percent form. And they didn't have time to get in the groove and then they're going against the greatest team in the, the league right now, just right off the bat, to try to bring Russ back into the swing of things. And then this team is ready a completely different team from when they were at their peak when Russ was playing arguably the best and smartest basketball out of his career halfway through the year. They just said, screw it. Let's go away from it. Not play our third most valuable player in Ben McElmore ever. And basically it was almost like they tanked, you know, it was just really simple things that it just drives me nuts thinking about like MDA, there's no X's and O's adjustments. It's just believing in his horses and riding it out. Like the dude was basically the last couple of years have been in retirement and just, <laughs> we think we can win off our system because we're going to play faster. We're going to shoot more threes. So we're going to have more possessions. More shots are going to fall. I believe I have the best player. No, you have the third best player, the fourth best player, and that's not going to beat the first or second unless you're going to make adjustments. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, also with the Rockets, it was like an effort thing the last two, three games, I think it was. Like, it, it, they just came out flat a lot of these games. And if they just came out with a little bit more effort, I think they would have um, they would have been able to compete. Because we saw that when they competed with effort um, at the end of, what was it, game four? When they put in the lineup of, like, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green with um, Harden, and I forgot who else was on the court. I think it was PJ. Was it PJ and Covington as well? 
Yep, and except they went away from that lineup. It's just... I, yeah, I was so confused about that because I was like, that lineup actually looked like it was pretty good and they were facing off against like the Lakers starters and they came back. They put some pressure defensively yep. on them and I don't know what happened game game five. They didn't come out with that lineup and I was like really shocked. I mean, that just shows you how like when you don't make adjustments that how easily things can just fall apart for you as, as well as effort too. Yep, Mike D'Antoni won't go past seven or eight guys. And if you're higher on his hierarchy, he's not going to let you get in your groove and roll up. I mean, Daniel House was fourth or so most valuable player. I mean, he's one of their sec- second, third best shooter on the team. And their system, if you don't have your best shooter in Ben McElmore and your second or third, yeah, that's going to be a big, big issue there. I mean... I think with small, Ben, go for it. I think with Ben, I think with Ben, I think um, D'Antoni was. Uh, I think he was probably more scared of him being hunted on defense because whenever he did oh, come in, a, the Lakers kind of did target him. So, but your system, that might have been the reason. Yeah, but the team was still all playoffs. They were arguably the best defensive team, even. Two or three of the Lakers games, they played very good defense, and they're it's just all about team defense and covering up. Um, yeah. And if you really believed in your system, Mike D'Antoni, you'd go with what works the best, and that's the players that make the system the system, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and you were saying how it wasn't all on Harden. I mean, yeah, that that that's that's true. I believe it wasn't all on Harden. I don't think you would oak. Oh, fully blame uh, a playoff exit all on one person. Um, well, it's, that's, but that's yeah. our reactionary <laughs> world we live in. And oh, yeah, of course. People hate his personality and uh, game style. I, that's what draws me to believe that he's literally the most underrated player of all time. I truly, oh, wow. Underrated I of all truly time? Believe that. I truly believe that because, yes, I mean, as of right now, he's a top 25 player of all time minimum at a minimum I mean just by what he's accomplished and what he's done but the problem is people don't compare him around players that are 15 to 30 in that range people focus on comparing this dude to the top 10 players of all time top 13 KD and Steph and it's like there's levels to this all right there's (laughs) there's a reason why this guy that's so and he Go look at his numbers in the playoffs. Like, you don't – yeah, he might not have had the biggest moment. I mean, he's had a couple bad games, but, like, people – eight, eight games of – Yeah, eight, eight, I was going to bring up the eight games. Dwayne Wade's had more than that, and people are out there. Yeah, Dwayne Wade, if you do the math, I mean, Harden's – if you go back and there's 20 – so where Harden scored 23 points or less, he's only done that, I think it was – um, like 50 or 55 times in his playoff career. Dwayne Wade did it like 68. And then when you bring it, drop it down to 15 points or less, Harden's done it, what, like 17? Dwayne Wade was like in the upper 20s. Dwayne Wade just Dwayne. had Shaquille O'Neal. Dwayne Wade had LeBron James. James Harden's never had the talent, nor has he ever had the fit. He's always been able to do the most with the least in my estimation. Well, to to that point, I do want to bring up the Chris Paul situation because I've seen a lot of people bring it up. Um, he did drag. I mean, I think his fit with Chris Paul was actually pretty good, um, especially when they were like, 
when they were really rolling, they got to 65 wins. I mean, I don't think that's decent. I think that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah, this because I mean they were they were so talented in the regular season, and there was not as much defense played in the games. I mean, yeah, just the way they played more systematically. So he's the best fit he's ever had. That's why they had so much success. And yeah, they probably would have won if Chris Paul was healthy. And most people do think that. Um, that team was arguably I, one of the greatest teams ever that didn't win. And I feel like the Chris Paul experiment ended a little bit way, a little bit too soon, especially seeing how he came out this year. I mean, last year wasn't the best um, um, barometer, I guess you could say, for like how he was. Because like he was coming off a lot of injuries early on in the, in the season and he really never got fully in rhythm like he was in the year prior. But I feel like if he had stayed with this team this year, they probably, they probably would have made some serious noise. Um, and I feel like part of that is because um, a lot of stories have come out about like how Chris Paul told Harden that he basically wants him to play a little bit more off ball. And I kind of agree with Chris there because I, I feel like Harden is more effective if he's coming off ball, because a lot of people, they complain about the doubles. A lot of Houston fans complain about the doubles this offseason, which I don't understand. Because, I mean, if your best, if you know that's your best player, you know he's going to get doubled at some point. We've seen it that's with, like, on Mike guys like Tell Yeah, him, that's, yeah. That's, 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 that's another part I was going to bring into it. I was going to say Mike D'Antoni is... That will hold yeah. him accountable, you know? Just give him a little nudge. Hey, James, is your shot... It's one of those games where your shot's not falling. Don't keep going to that step back three when it's not working. Exactly. You're going to go two for 18. Exactly. Just go in for I, that mid-range. Like, just look back I, at his shot chart in 2015 over, under Kevin McHale versus Mike D'Antoni. He was a much yeah. stronger basketball player then. He's playing a system. He's not playing the smart – he's not doing the smart basketball so, play now. So do, so do you think if he gets, like, a new head coach, do you think that he would, like, be be willing to change that style? Because I've heard rumors of, like, Ty Lue, Sam Cassell. There's a whole bunch of names out there yeah. right now. So do you think he would? I personally believe I feel it. like – I personally believe in James. But the only way you, this works is if James does – trust this coach, listens to this coach, and he's a part of that process in the hiring. He's got to oh, be. Yeah, for I sure. mean, every other star that's a top five to seven player is going to be a part of those transactions and a part of making those big decisions or at least approve, you know? Freaking KD and Kyrie, LeBron. I mean, you name it. If they're your franchise player, that's all that matters is to cater to them. Um, so yeah, it's literally a coach in my opinion and yet trade Eric Gordon. Those would be the two things that where this thing can still work. I think Russ has two good years left and do you, go for it. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, um, so who do you think is the ideal coach for, um, this Rockets team and like a, a, a better system for Harden? See, I'm as big of a coach guy as they get in my partner on my podcast they always give me garbage for being so obsessed <laughs> with coaches and um whatnot but I, it, it's it's the hardest coaching vacancy for me to fill in the league it really is um i do yeah, like the I, sam I cassell i do i would love i would love an ex-player but it's just got to be hand-picked by literally hard and i mean i don't i don't know who the dude trusts and believes and what what type you don't of know what type of system he wants to play too but it, it's it really isn't like because he's changed literally i don't know three to four times like that's what makes this guy so amazing like he's literally changed multiple times whether 
he hasn't had a constant roster for more than a year or two. It's always changing. That's the problem. I mean, because Maury hasn't been able to get the top talent that fits. Uh, you name, there's out of all the guys that are ahead of him, he's had the worst talent around, around him out of many. So really? it, it's tough. It really is. Absolutely. Go down the list. It's that's, that's the thing that people don't want to like think about either is they just want to rush to, Oh, Harden sucks. I choked. Uh, Cause I feel like his, his teams have been pretty, pretty solid. I mean, especially the Chris Paul ones. Like I bet, like I mentioned before, I feel like the Chris Paul teams were really solid. And if he was more willing to play, I think off ball with Chris Paul, especially this year, the way we've seen how Chris Paul played. And of course how Harden's always played in the regular season. I feel like that would have been perfect. Cause like, say James Harden doesn't have his shot going or they're doubling him and he plays off ball of Chris Paul. Chris Paul can create something for him and he could get some easier looks. But of course, that also goes back to D'Antoni as well with his, the way he likes to run his system. So it, it's just a whole bunch of stuff that that didn't mesh well, I guess you can say. So sure. how do you feel about the people that have said blow it up and just like get rid of either one or both of them? Um, Russ Anybody and who says Harden. get rid of James Harden is out of their gourd. I mean... You work your entire franchise, your whole career. The whole purpose is to get a player like James Harden. You know, the only time you ever get rid of him, like anybody who says he doesn't have three really good, great years left is crazy to me. I mean, this guy has shown no signs of decline. He's only 31 years old. I mean, that's LeBron's killing it at 35 right now. And let's be honest. I mean, the way James plays, I mean, I think yeah, he he's going to last. Yeah, he doesn't rely on athleticism right, that much. Right, exactly. I don't think he's, he's going to decline very quickly. It's not going to be a hard fall. The problem with Russ is they brought him in because of the relationship with Harden. And that's why yeah. it did work so well at the middle of the year. And the reason why it didn't work in the playoffs is, well, they went away from that. And uh, he wasn't healthy. I mean, that's a big part of it as well. Um, but also they didn't have the discipline as an organization and from the top down the coach to get him that structure going again. Uh, but yeah, I say everybody's off. Russell Westbrook's available if Harden says he's available. He is. And if the trade has to be out there, though, it really does. It has to be a good upgrade or depth, you know, fit or depth. Um, throw some stuff and out here. I'm, I'm open to it, but everybody else is available besides Robert Covington, in my estimation. I mean, uh, the Russell contract, and I think also the the Gordon contract is they're really two hard contracts to move within themselves, just by themselves. Is it, it's to me, I think it seems really hard to move both of them. It, it's not no contract. I mean, unless you're one of those top five, ten players that are in their prime. is going to be easy to move. No contract ever is easy to move. And yes, Russ is one of the hardest contracts ever to move. But if you looked at, they just moved Russ and CP, you know, there's always a deal out there to be made. Uh, There's always some crazy team um, that's small market, whatever, what have you. We've seen some of the worst contracts get dealt. So I'll never believe a contract's impossible to get moved um, until they strike out <laughs> and it's notable yeah. they strike out. But like, I could definitely seeing the Knicks going after like a oh, Russell Westbrook. Man, that no, <laughs> no. You know, it's just, no, I don't, I don't, like I don't need there. Russ in MSG right, right now, man. I don't See, need but Russ as in a MSG. Timberwolves fan, as a Timberwolves fan, I would take Russ. 
I'd take him. You would? Yeah, I would. I Over really D-Lo? would. No, I him and D'Lo together. Let it buck, yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, I don't like. I don't like the fit there. I really don't. No, I, That's I, weird. I don't That's... love it either. I mean, I think it's. I think it's a decent fit, but I don't love it either. I, it's yeah, a, it's a weird fit. Minnesota, but here's the thing: small market teams. I mean, you got to take risks at times, and you got to so, go for. So, talent. how do you feel about the Detroit, the Detroit Blake Griffin for Russ idea that's been oh, floating around over the last? I think that's awful. I mean, that's awful. <laughs> I think I mean, a lot of people have said that's awful, but I mean, it may it may actually come to that come down to that, and I mean, a lot of people are intrigued with. Uh, Intrigued, I guess, in air quotes, you can say, with um, yeah. a Blake and James Harden um, pick and roll. If they yeah, ever Blake's decide to be running that, yeah, that's a way. That's one of the best. That'd be the best fit Harden's ever had for sure. It'd be a way better fit than than Chris Paul. But Blake Griffin, I mean, Russell's way better than him right now, and um, they've proved. I mean, midway through the year, it worked. I, like I truly believe there was a long stretch, thirty games when they were rolling there on both sides of the ball and it, it worked, but yeah. Yeah. I wrote, I actually wrote about that, how like Russ was like dominating and like paint points for like a whole month. Yeah, like he was yeah. just like going it to the is, rim. Yes. He was playing was, like, the no smartest basketball of his career. Absolutely. There was not taking any three pointers, man. It was incredible. Like I can't say it enough. He was literally playing the smartest basketball and the word smart and Russell Westbrook don't really go together. Um, and yeah. they did this year. Um, but yeah, if you're going to trade Blake Griffin for Westbrook right now, uh, Luke Kennard at least has to be in there to even consider it. Um, Luke and maybe Bruce Bruce Brown type of thing. Um, I do like Russ and Orlando. I think Orlando would be a fitting team for him. Mm. But outside of that, okay. I mean, you got to start digging for Russ trades. Um, I think Eric Gordon, I mean, if you attach like House or P.J. Tucker to him, I think you can get positive value back. Um, Probably. They, they still have a couple picks out there as well. Yeah, I know the picks thing is really hard with them because they gave away a right. couple with the they, um, Chris They Paul don't deal. have a ton, let's be honest. Yeah. Why, so, you got um, any other trades in mind? <laughs> nah, I just saw a couple. Like, I saw one... Um, um, a Houston fan put out of Eric Gordon for Mitchell Robinson in the second round pick, and I was just disgusted. Drugs, at just man. The very, Drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, what? Like the Knicks wouldn't even wouldn't even pick up the phone if they heard. I mean, they wouldn't even yeah. continue the call if they heard Eric Gordon. I mean, I was yeah. getting hammered oh. with trades all day today. Check my timeline; it's kind of funny. Yeah, I know. I saw a couple of them. They, some of them are really weird. I'm trying to think. Okay, here, here's one right here for you. This is, I'll just bring up one. Um, Four-team trade. Sixers get Chris Paul, which I love. Chicago Bulls get Russell Westbrook. Don't really like that. OKC yeah. gets Tobias and Ben McElmore, which that's all right. Um, then Houston gets Zach Levine, Josh Richardson, Thad Young. Every team besides basically Chicago does fine there. I don't know about I don't know how OKC would feel about taking on that long contract, especially if they're expected to go into like a rebuild. That what was it like three years left on Tobias's deal? It is, right. yeah. So I don't know how they would feel about taking that contract. Think about Tobias though versus having Chris Paul is makes your team worse. Wins, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he, he fits right the timeline a little better. Um, you got to pay. You got to pay somebody. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah, I had a couple of trades that I actually wrote down in a, in a piece of mind of um like four Chris Paul centered trades. But, but I, I think I might in, I might venture into the Russell Westbrook world to see if I can find something that makes sense and have that out soon as well. So do it. Look out for that. Um, let's move on to um Heat versus Celtics. Um, did you did you see any of these two teams getting to the conference finals, or did you see both of them getting here? So before the playoffs, I mean, I said Celtics. I mean, I, I really did. I mean, I did see the – I had the Bucks over the Heat. I mean, I'll be honest there, but I, I thought it was going to be a battle. I thought it was going to be a really big battle. I, The Bucks have – I've always said this. I mean, as long as I can remember it, until Giannis proves me otherwise in the playoffs, I mean, he's just the easiest guy to game plan around and – exposed and unless everybody else is going off and playing incredible the only guy i really trust in the playoff is chris middleton outside of that i don't trust anybody else and so when he's struggling things are things are ugly for that team um so that's why i'm just Giannis is a bit overrated to me uh just because he's really exposable and declines a lot in the playoffs um no matter what his box score numbers say and they're uh behind a lot and he's getting those numbers late when they're behind and they don't really matter that much as well but this Celtics team is I mean talented they're starting five is as good as any and they're just well disciplined they're intelligent and they got that superstar blossoming in Jason Tatum they're my my pick I got them in I got them in seven but the heat have the best chemistry I've seen since the 2014 Spurs and probably the most depth I've seen like quality depth in a team in a very long time. So it's, it's going to be a battle and one of the best series in a long time. I think Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I also had, I also, I had, um, I had the bucks also in, um, I thought we were actually going to get a repeat of last year's conference finals. I had Bucks versus Toronto as my conference finals pick, and I had Bucks winning against the Heat in at least seven because I thought Miami really figured them out in the regular season. But I thought you know maybe Bud would finally adjust, figuring how close we are to Giannis's um, free agency, and you know like these series matter like even more now than they would have before. So I thought he would do some adjustments there. He didn't, of course, until. Giannis got hurt and he had no choice to, but, um, but yeah, um, I had the Bucks winning that. Unfortunately they didn't, but I I still feel like we'll really get a really exciting series out of Miami versus, um, Boston. Um, I do have Boston also winning. Yeah. I also got Boston too. Cause I feel like they just have like the over, not overwhelming talent, but they do have a lot of talent. Like, especially if they get someone like Gordon Hayward back, in the midst of the series yep. that could really, that could really turn the tides right there. That's another like 17 point per game score. They're adding on to what they already have going on right now. And um, yeah, you know, you got Marcus smart rolling right now. You got Jalen Brown playing well. Kemba had his ups and downs. Cause you know, they were like face guarding him and playing box and one on him. Yep. Um, I don't think, I don't think Miami will employ anything like that. So I think Kemba will be fine in this series. You don't think and, so. Why not? I don't know. I, I I don't know if they think. I don't know if Miami presents the defensive bodies to do so. I guess. 
Yeah, Especially at the guard spot with Goran and defense for sure. Yeah, and like the guys, like, I feel like defense for a while. I mean, they were top defense all year. They're one of them. Yeah, I think I think they were ranked like 14th in defensive, but it might have changed when they over the over the trade deadline when they got yeah, like Iggy no, and Jay. Yeah, I said at a point in the year. I mean, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I feel like guys like Kemba will be able to get a little bit more hot this series against guys like maybe they'll they'll probably hunt out guys like Goron and Tyler Hero in the lineup a little bit more um on defense. I feel like well yeah, I feel like just the talent that they got and Tice, I mean Tice has been playing really well these playoffs. I don't know how he'll match up with Bam, but I know he's been playing really well against um who are the centers they placed before play, uh, pay, played before? It was Joel and Gasol, I mean Ibaka. Yeah, Gasol Ibaka. Um, and and of course Embiid. Embiid had his way basically, though. I don't know if Bam will have his way. I don't know if he's able to really dominate in that way yet. But yeah, I really feel like this will be a very interesting series. Um, who 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 do you see as like a key X factor for I guess both sides in this matchup? Uh, I'm gonna go. If I have to pick one X factor. I don't think the Celtics win without Jason Tatum rolling. I mean, it's an easy answer, but I just, I think he needs to be the best because Celtics are all about their top talent. They're not about their depth. And this team will go as far as Jason Tatum will take him because he's the one player that's been ultra consistent. And Miami, on the other hand, like Jimmy Bowler doesn't have to be the best player every night. And I think it's the X factor, honestly, I don't know if there there is just one in Miami. I think it could be it, it could be one of like four guys, and that's Hero, Dragic, Duncan, or Bam. I mean, I'm gonna pick Bam just because. I mean, he's the best big in this this matchup here. But again, mm-hmm. Daniel Tice has been really good on these bigs, and like you said, are we ready for Bam to dominate like that? I mean, on the offensive end. I, I'm I'm torn because I, I love Bam and I just think he's he's got an overall game that is super impactful and valuable to this team. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Bam on both sides of the ball, really. Yeah, I was reading something earlier from um, Nikias on on Twitter yep. about um, the um, he had a breakdown of like how the Heat can stop the Celtics, and one thing that stood out to me was Jason Tatum's numbers against the Heat during the regular season. And he, he only averaged 21 points on 40, 24, and 93 splits, which is very – I didn't even know about that. So that was very interesting to to, um, to see that. And I saw, like, some of the keys of, like, stopping him were forcing him downhill and forcing him to drive um, to his right because when yes. he drives to his right, his pull-up isn't as effective. So I was thinking if Miami can sort of neutralize that, I mean, they may have like 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 we said, we think this may be a close series, and that could be one of the deciding factors of how Miami decides to guard um, Jason Tatum and how they adjust to if he doesn't decide to um, play that way. Yeah, I mean, another thing to keep in mind is the Celtics are fifteen and zero on the year when Brown scores twenty five plus. So, wow, okay, don't really want him to go off. Don't really want him to go off. I'd say. 
And he had a stretch during the Toronto series where he was kind of cold, where like there was one game, I think he went like one for eight or something. So, I mean, it is possible for Jalen Brown to get a little bit frosty there. So that's also something to keep in mind. But I do think, I think Kemba going off will be a key in this series because he didn't really get a chance to go off as I thought he would against Toronto because of the way they played defense against him. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, Miami plays defense against uh, Kemba. For sure. And on Miami's side, um, it's going to be interesting to see which shooters get hot this series. Because last series, we kind of saw it was more of um, Goran Dragic getting yep. hot, Jay Crowder getting hot, Tyler Hero had some moments. But we really didn't see Duncan Robinson all that much. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get Duncan Robinson going early. Because if they can, then Miami's going to have – I mean, Boston's going to have a tough time chasing him around those screens and whatnot. So – yeah, it's just amazing how much they switch it up on a nightly basis. It's like they could have one of four four guys who is the leading scorer and they still play great as a collectible. Yeah. I mean, Jake Crowder, I mean, even you could throw him in the mix. He can go off for a game or so. And yeah. he, he shot 40% from the field, averaging 13 points through the playoffs so far. I mean – it's just a collective group. Like I said, the deepest team I can recall, and they're not even playing Myers and Kendrick Nunn, really, and those guys were so valuable to them all freaking year. Um, Kelly Olenek, he's getting not great minutes, but he's getting scattered minutes here and there. If he's hot, they're rolling with them. Um, but it's just they're a 10-man, 10-11 player team. I'll go 11 for sure. Yeah, and with Kendrick Nunn, it's odd to see how he like. I don't know if it was due to his um his battle with COVID that affected his body because I know it does have an effect on the body. I don't know if that's what led to his poor play in the bubble and him eventually being out of the rotation. Or I know a lot of Heat fans they've been saying that Kendrick Nunn's actually been on this trajectory since like after All Star break he's been kind of struggling. So I, I don't know what's up with him, but he's definitely lost his way out of the rotation. Um, but one thing that stood out to me, I think, when I was looking at each matchup during the season between the Heat and the Celtics, um, I think one one matchup, James Johnson and Deion Waiters were still on the team and they were in the rotation for that game. Mm-hmm. And then there was one game where Jimmy wasn't playing. So it's really odd to like really try to measure up how they played against each other because it's a totally different team right now that um, Miami is than the three times they faced them during the regular season. So... Yeah. How do you how do you feel about that about the the different matchups that um the ball, uh, the Celtics have faced against Miami? So the thing about Miami is I was just on the phone with Myers before this on my show, and it's amazing how I've never come across a team that before games, especially every playoff game, they literally go around and pick who they want. I heard about this. Duncan Robinson was also talking about it beforehand on Zach Lowe's podcast. And it's just a fun thing they do. And they call their guy out. And they, they're all held accountable. So they make it – they break it down individually so much. And Jimmy Butler is just watching hours of film. So he's the conductor out there as well. Everybody knows their their assignment at all times. And – they just understand if things go wrong, like what's going to happen. And it's just amazing. The accountability, I, like that's why there's no way not to believe in this team 
and the, the culture they possess with being an 11-man team in the playoffs that normally come down to seven or eight players, that's just unheard yeah. of. Uh, it really is. Like, I, I don't think they're afraid to unleash Myers or Kendrick Nunn coming up here. I mean, Myers Leonard had a 30-point game last year in the playoffs. I mean, he's been injured. Yes, I mean, still fighting back from that. And this is a 40 point, 40% three-point shooter that they got on their bench, uh, deep yeah. in their bench, which is which is insane. He was one of their best starting fives all year. He was, I mean, he was a part of their best starting five all year. And he was literally their, their anchor. I mean setting all the screens to get these open looks it's pretty incredible but um from the matchup side of things it's more interesting uh, from the heat guarding celtics because i think the celtics are going to come out and continue to just switch everything type of thing and um yeah just do whatever they think needs to win where the heat i mean it's you don't know what they're gonna do ever and uh that's what just makes it fun um if I were to pick out one matchup, I I, I want to see Jimmy guard Tatum. I want like I hope that's oh yes. I hope Definitely. that he takes pride in that, and that's what it comes down to. And I mean, that's literally it. I mean, outside of that, I mean, Jalen Brown and Tatum and those guys. I mean, not letting anybody get too hot, and then when somebody does on that side of things. It's who's going to be the one to step up and try to calm him down. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. I mean, well, do you I mean, have any matchups a, in mind? Or? Um, whoever's guarding Duncan Robinson is going to be really tired if they're not really prepared to chase him <laughs> around all all night. Because I know Chris Middleton had to chase him around. And like some moments he looked kind of like just like gassed at moments yep. in that last series. So... I, I see in the Caius's piece, he said that it's probably going to be Jalen Brown chasing him around. So, I mean, I know Jalen Brown's up to it because, like, he he has the defensive acumen and, like, he, oh, he's pretty solid. Good. He's pretty solid defensively. So, right. yeah, I mean, that that's the interesting matchup for me. Whoever's guarding Duncan Robinson and then, who, like, you know how they like to do the BAM Duncan Robinson um, um, dribble handoff. So, yeah. it's going to be interesting how they, how, they, how they either switch on it or, like, how do they defend that overall in general? I feel like that's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, but um, it's going to be a very interesting chess match between um, two great basketball minds in um, Spolstra and Stevens. We know they're not afraid to mix things up and um, switch things and make adjustments. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this series matches up. For sure. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. We cover we cover a lot of ground on some playoff topics. Um, make sure you check out Zach's two shows. Um, I'll make sure there are, there are some links in the show notes. Appreciate that. Um, make sure you check out the blog website, the podcast website, and make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there, and make sure you follow Zach. Zach's a great Twitter follow as well. So that's it for today's episode. Um, thanks, Zach, for coming on. Hope to have you again sometime with my other co-hosts. Appreciate you, man. Anytime. Fun combo. Nice. All right. That's it.